Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I suppose I could have, uh, should have queued up the Gene Shepard program that we're about to hear, but, you know, a few seconds of silence. What else is new here at WBAI? <laughs> Where uh, technical proficiency... It's not necessarily a requirement. Well, then again, we have a new management here, so perhaps that will change soon. Uh. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I don't know. Next week, we'll either get back to uh, the passion of Frankenstein, preempted from this morning, or we'll start listening to Roger Gregg's latest series, recorded just uh, in October in Ireland, and uh, already pressed on CD and sent to me. So we've got six new Roger Gregg individual half-hour stories that we can hear in the very near future here on the show. But right now, from January 4th, 1965, Gene Shepard uh, is going to tell us about his broken New Year's resolution. Yep, that's what he's going to do. So uh, as soon as it... Uh, Use itself around to the starting point. That's what we'll be hearing here on WBAI New York. Oh, and I hope it cues itself around quickly because it's 5.15 and then some. <laughs> that second-rate flugel player, that third-rate timpani player, that ridiculous scratchy theme song. Nope. King Hill. Yes, Bring it up. Oh, I do not play acapella casino. Here it is Monday, and I've already forgotten all that stuff. Well, I must tell you this. I am shocked, I am amazed, I am disappointed at the number of people with low, slovenly, slobbish tastes. They seem to be proliferating, if anything. There are more of them, if anything. People who insist, who somehow pretend that they like bazoo playing. They like rotten, crummy stories about Flick and Bruner fistfighting in the basement for snappy detective magazines. They like... Uh, <laughs> and you know, one of the saddest things of all is the lady, the poor, sad lady, who writes a triplicate letter and sends one to the manager of the radio station, another one, apparently, to St. Peter, and one to me. And it said, and I would like to say that Mr. Shepard is one of the very few people in public entertainment who admits that in the year 1965, he will attempt to do better and will think nothing but pure, clean thoughts. 
Thank God we have people like Mr. Shepard around. A little rotten piano music there. Rotten piano music, please. That is not rotten piano music, but bring it up. A little rotten piano music there. All right, gang, let's go. Now, let's all together now. Let's all practice thinking, killing thoughts, rest tanks. Let's all do some metal push-ups, rest Let's clean out the shelves. Let's pull up our socks. Let us look with a clean blue eye into the future, rest Let's sing of beauty and truth, rest Let us play the lute of life, rest with the guts and the bando, presto, agitato, let us move upward and onward, together, all together now, sing it out, and every way, every day, I'm going better and better, bigger and taller, wider and fatter, sung so very well, but it was sung with the proper, uh, well, that proper quaver that I learned as a boy way back there in the last few rows when uh, all my friends around me and those tall elderly guys with the bobbing Adam's apples, the ladies with the creaking girdles with unlimber on, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. Well, there's a lot of things to say. <laughs> and we just started 1965. We're off and running. And uh, mankind, of course, uh, as we said earlier, uh, the last night of the year, that things are going to be different. We're going to clear the decks and we are going to salute mankind's better achievements. Bring me dramatic, solid music saluting mankind. 1965, marching upward and onward, sharing aloft the torch. Progress. Take a few straws in the wind there, Skip. The trouble with mankind is that he has a case of galloping slobism. Oh, boy. I mean, there's nothing you can do, honey. I'm telling you. Baby, you listening to me out there? The one that wrote the letter. There's nothing you can do. What are you going to do with mankind? I mean, you work hard, you polish, you hone, you get a new suit, you get good socks. And on Saturday night, everywhere you look. In doorways. Oh, boy. In the bushes. Under the cars. Back at the drive-in. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? In spite of knowing better, what do they do? <laughs> you know what they do. <laughs> Gee whiz. It's terrible. And no matter where you go, you think we got a corner on SL Obism? Do you really? Listen to this. I read to you, please, uh, a little little more. I think uh, number ein, zwei, drei, uh, ein, zwei, yeah, ein, two. That's it. Just bring it up there. That's exactly what I wanted. Very good. 
My wild Irish rose. The sweetest, the sweetest of flowers. But that grows, that grows. Da, 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 da. Rasmus. have been rushing, quote, to assist victims of gluttony after the annual Christmas feasts, the Polish press agency reported today. Warsaw had 1,000 ambulance calls and Krakow had more than 1,000. Friday and yesterday, the agency said, gluttons falling over sideways. <laughs> we salute. Galloping sloppism wherever it's found. Guys sitting there shoveling it in. Stuffed cabbage. Shoveling it in, sour rotten with gravy, until finally they fall over sideways with beers squirting out of their ears. What are you gonna do? My wild Irish crows. Skin. We'll have to salute mankind. No, I, I think we... Don't you feel better now that we're taking a positive view of the world and squaring things up? No, now here, now, here's salute to modern man. Would you please get me my impressive music and hold it there in a bay and skip until I give you the proper cue? And, uh, That's the $50,000 mystery sound. If you can identify this sound, it's worth 50 G's. That's a $50,000 mystery sound, man. There ain't many $50,000 mystery sounds around. So you better latch out to it real quick. And this is now also the $50,000 mystery tune. This is clue number two. Yes, sir, that's my baby. No, sir, don't mean baby. Identify that tune, and you're on your way to glory, success, love, life, and all good things. <laughs> You see the little light coming up just over the edge? Oh, the edge of the horizon. It's touching the trees with a silver light of pure goodness and truth. In just a few moments, the sun will rise like a vast golden orb over our poor, apple-pated knobs. Somewhere down in that deep, rich, primal valley, a quiet monster sleeps. And slowly... He yawns. He sighs. He now stands erect, beats his tenderest chest, calling for life itself. This poor, uncomprehending group, not recognizing the poetry of being. Yearns for something beyond his primal valley. His tiny red rim beady eyes looks out at a world, a solid world, a world uncompromising. Then slowly, 
Jack. Civilization. The Big Apple. New Yorkie. <laughs> the Big Time. King Kong is on his way to make it big in Manhattan. Oh, Manhattan. Manhattan in the spring. Manhattan in the fall. Manhattan a sheer poetic song of man's creative life. on the scene. And uh, by the way, this is King, and this is W-O-R-A-M at FM New York. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've offended all those nice little ladies out there tonight. Oh, man. Well, you do the best you can. You know, speaking, somehow I like the idea of 1,000 ambulances picking up 1,000 gluttonous poles in the People's Republic. And uh, on the same page, uh, for those of you who want to who salute mankind, the reappearance of another fantastic myth. Have you seen it? I read it to you from the New York Times. Seaford, Delaware. A Seaford scientist and inventor has started, quote, a rather rigorous program of experiments that he hopes will lead man to fly under his own power like a bird. <laughs> well, I've tried that for a long time. I tried it off the garage once. Well, I can only salute you, Matt. Yes, I did. What do you think? This pop on the back of the head. That didn't come from thinking hard. Oh, yes. We salute mankind who for centuries has been trying to fly under his own power like a bird. You know what that means? That one day you will be able to step out there on your patio, flap your arms, and take off with all the rest of the seagulls, the pigeons, and the vultures, and fly higher and higher and higher and higher into the sun. Like, uh, what was his name with the wax? What was his 
the way a firm the wax wing. They don't have Yankee ingenuity know-how. Let me tell you, no GI, no American GI would ever build wax wings and fly to the moon or the sun or whatever it is he flew in a pig's ear. No, we will go equipped with Reynolds Red Wings. Waterproof, fireproof, and sunproof. And fly higher. Bring it up there. Yes, we salute, man. Hold it there. Hold it. Hold it there. That's enough. We don't need any more King Kong here. Did you uh, hear what he's going to do? He's got a laboratory animal, a man who he's working on. Oh, you, you haven't heard about this? Oh, it's been on all the news. They were interviewing this guy and everything. He's, he's got all kinds of formulas and stuff. And uh, he's Daedalus. Do you remember Daedalus? Well, they had trouble with wings, too. Well, we've all, time to time. You know, you can't... You give a little, you take a little. Sometimes you bust your... But you give a little and you take a little. And <laughs> I hope it all comes up <laughs> in the end, you know. Yes, indeed. Uh, we also would like to salute this uh, typical 1965 man. It uh, comes in a Dear Abby letter here from the my favorite comic paper, the Evening Bulletin of Philadelphia. It says, Dear Abby, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'm ashamed to ask anyone else, how can I break my husband of sucking his thumb? When he sleeps, reads the newspaper, or settles down to watch TV, he sucks his left thumb. Now, I know he isn't aware of it, because when I tell him to quit it, he's always shocked to find his thumb in his mouth. We have two small children who also suck their thumbs when they're tired, and it's so hard to break them of it when they see their father doing this. Is this hereditary? This is unmanly, I think, in a man who has two children. It's caused many fights. Can you please help me? Bring up number one. He's merely, honey, Abby, he is merely enacting 20th century man's major dilemma today. His major digressionatory dilemma is also his major regressionatory dilemma. As mankind, we salute you. This guy could be a top star if he took up Broadway acting. I don't think Tony Burton has thought of that one yet, you know? Sitting on the corner there and just sucking his thumb and worrying. Pop left talk and waiting for the good humor man to show up. Hey, Charlie, the good humor man is here. Wait <laughs> till they come out with bourbon flavored good humors. They're going to have them down there. What is the matter? This is a terrible program, and I'm, I'm perfectly aware that you have every right to be shocked. I, you know what happened? I backslid right away the first five minutes this morning. I, I, uh, I, uh, terrible. I looked at all the mail, all the people applauding. One, one guy says, "I hope you're going to start a bulletin board on your show," and he said, "I like the idea of a uh, of a nightly bright thought." He said, "I would like to suggest some of them." That. Uh, you know, he had all kinds of, like, a, a bad penny. Uh, I've even forgotten that one. I keep thinking, something about a bad penny, I don't know, something about looking before you leap, something like that. And the, he had all kinds of wonderful ideas. Another one wrote in and said, that, Mr. Shepard, I particularly like the idea that you're going to get a gray suit. Uh, I like that idea because uh, I myself am partial to gray suits, and I've for years felt a little uncomfortable in the presence of people who wore chinos especially since it's obvious that they're dirty and rotten beatniks, crummy foreigners. 
And, uh, well, I filed that one. And, uh, sure opened up a can of peas here. Well, of course, well, <clears throat> hello, hello. Is this stuff working? For crying out loud. WOR has decided to put a microphone here in the studio now. It's only connected to in there, isn't it? You mean it's connected to Staten Island, too? Hello, Staten Island. You mad fools. Boy, what a mad wildlife you're living out there. Boy, if they only knew how you're living in Cleveland, they'd come out here and clean up the whole mess. Oh, man. Yes, indeed. People listening to those rattling papers, they think Shepard's going through his script. Whereas actually what he's doing is getting ready to fly the coop. He is burning all the evidence right here now in a wastebasket. I'm getting rid of all the contracts and all that jazz. Oh, this is what happened to my cigar today. I was worried about it. Crying out loud. This is the cigar. You remember from, from uh, you remember last 4th of July. You remember when Long John gave me that cigar, the one that explodes? See, the end is off of it. John, what are you going to do? Pitch man, always a pitch man. Be careful. No, no, you don't put a match to an exploding cigar. You throw it in a pail of water, honey. That's what you do. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so speaking of uh, of uh, saluting mankind, I'm sorry, Skip, we've got to get right on to it here. We've got a lot of things to do. But uh, we're beginning to uh, um, unleash our, show our real colors, you know, our real hand. We're beginning to tip the hand here. For, for years, mankind was able to fake it up. Was able to pretend, you know, he figured that man was important. Remember those days? Used to talk about the dignity of the individual, the sanctity of man, all that jazz. Oh, well, this is all. That was all, uh, you know, uh, rice pudding in a yard wine, little raisins thrown in. But because cause eventually what we really mean is that I am magnificent, that it is me that stands above mankind, and it's not mankind that's good, it's me. Mankind's kind of a drag, as a matter of fact, but it's me that's great, you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, you, are you aware that you can buy commuters' play pens now? What's the matter? I don't think that's so bad. What's play pens for grown-ups? You really can. You know, a little sand pile and stuff like that. I am telling you the truthy. Yes. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's got swings and everything for grown-up people. I'm serious. You can buy these now. Well, it's, it was only natural for crying out on one more step, and uh, there's a lot of other stuff you'll be able to buy for grown-ups. One more step. I can think of several things now. Do you know that Johnson baby powder is sold more to adults than the, than the little kids and is used more on adults than it is little kids of all types? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you wouldn't buy it if it didn't say Johnson baby powder on it, if it just said, uh, you know, oh, the whoopee or something. Uh, you'd, you'd say, oh, no, that doesn't do it. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of sneaky things we got. She was. Well, you know, uh, speaking of sneaky things, we're beginning to show our hand. This is the first time this has happened, Skip. You're a radio engineer. You're going to be interested in this now. Not a little straw in the wind. Something that I think I'm going to file with my first important file. Yes, it's the first important file card made out for 1965. 1965. Oh, yes, a wonderful note here. It said, Louisville is going to liven up some of its street signs. No outlet will replace dead-end signs. The word dead carries a displeasing connotation to some people. Ain't no such thing as dead-ends anymore. I don't know what they're going to do about dead lines that all of us riders have to meet from time to time. I suppose they just figure it's end-of-the-line day or something like that. But, uh, 
we're moving forward in the reality department here in America. It's, uh, they don't have any such thing as a dead letter file anymore. It's just sort of an old letter file. In fact, they don't even want to use the word old anymore in America. It's just sort of inactive file. Have you noticed that, that in these new uh, repositories for human-used Kleenex tissues, uh, people, I think that older people in our society occupy the same general position of a used Kleenex tissue. We don't know what to do with them. And yet, you know, they're, they're, they pile up, you know, and they were useful. But, you know, it's kind of a one-shot thing. That's about it. And you wind up with, with a great big stack of them. And so you have to put them somewhere. And that's uh, really, in a sense, what all these new gigantic retirement communities are in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, uh, where, where people are sort of put down there and stashed away by relatives and everybody. They throw them down there and, and they just wait. They kind of wait, and they fish and wait, you know, fish and wait, golf and fish and wait and golf and wait. It, it gets kind of confusing. Do you know that, oh, well, don't look at me like that. Do you know that right off the coast of Florida, I was told tonight by Barry, that they're building little kingdoms of obscenity, you know, all kinds of things, where they build them off the coast of Florida. I, I think that there is a new kind of international anarchy and uh, international lawlessness that's going to bring out some interesting things in the next year or two, maybe the next three or four. What would we do if a if a station were to anchor itself off, say, uh, 15 miles off the coast of Long Island, Skip? A boat. Flying no flag. Let's say flying uh, the Uruguayan flag or some, you, some uh, you know, country that really, there it is, it's just got a flag, see? And it, it, this little boat anchors off the coast of Long Island. Now, everybody somehow thinks that, that the idea of international anarchy, international lawlessness is kind of a fun thing. You know, it, it really is, you know. And uh, what would we do if a boat anchored? It's painted black. It's a sinister boat. And it's out there in international waters where nobody can lay a glove on it. And it just sits out there. And about 2 o'clock of a morning, it cranks up its transmitter and lays down a fantastic signal on Channel 6. Pew! And from, let's say, from noon until five, they got stag films. And from, <laughs> and from, from, from five to two o'clock in the morning, they have striptease dancers. And then, <laughs> now I'm serious. Now this is, this is feasible. It is definitely feasible. And I'm curious what we would do about it outside of watch. <laughs> I can say, oh boy, can you imagine all the people trying to black out their TV set? Uh, can you imagine what the bars would be watching wherever you go? Uh, but nevertheless, everyone out there probably laughing. They can't imagine anything like that happening. Well, uh, right off the coast of England, there are about five pirate radio stations that are grinding this stuff out day after day, night after night, and nobody has been able to touch them. Sure, pirate stations. And uh, there's a couple off the coast now of Denmark. There's one off the coast of Sweden. How we would, how we have been able to uh, to avoid it up to this point, I don't know. But I'm sure somewhere, someplace, there is a sinister black vessel being fitted out with a 794 foot tower. <laughs> I don't know what we would do. 
just, just you know, I, I, uh, as an old amateur radio operator, I'm going to tell you some things that, that are slowly beginning to happen internationally. You never hear it discussed, you know. And there is a creeping kind of international sneakiness that is going on all over the world. For example, well, perhaps you're not aware of the fact that, uh, that there is, a, is such a thing as an international convention uh, that was established uh, at a thing called the Cairo International Radio Convention of 1934, in which all the nations got together. It was kind of a UN of radio. And uh, throughout the world, uh, there, was, there were agreements made as to frequency allotments. Uh, for example, uh, Mexico, we'll say, and Canada recognizes the fact that we've got a radio station here on 710. Now, if we didn't have uh, this kind of international agreement, uh, some station, some Canadian station could come on right on our frequency, right up here. You know, Canada's only a few hundred miles north of us and, and cause all kinds of confusion, you know, really. And we could cause confusion up there uh, and, and so on up and down the line. Oh, sure, there are some stations on your frequency. But that is only in the peripheral areas. In other words, oh, no, she says, no, well, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Sure, you hear interference. Well, that doesn't mean that they are not living up to the convention. What if they came out with a 2 million watt transmitter? See, I'm talking about the degrees of interference. In short, we have agreed, now let's talk about conventions. We have agreed that automobiles are going to be, and it's only by agreement, really, are going to be a certain width. What if I came down 6th Avenue with a 34-foot wide automobile? Oh, that's right. You know, I mean, uh, so so they could they could, there'd be a lot of yelling and hollering. But if it was a car and I bought it on the open market, it would be pretty difficult to make me keep it off the road. It really would. And uh, they'll say, well, we we've, we've got this law here. This is a car can't be over seven feet wide. Well, I would like to see it tested. <laughs> I don't know whether that law would hold up if if it were really actually carried to an uh, an eventual test. Uh, under a free enterprise, free free man system, it would be pretty difficult unless you actually ran over with somebody with the thing. But on the other hand, you know, this international convention, if you want to talk more about that, most people know very little about it, but it was an agreement that uh, set up boundaries and assigned countries call letters, too, among other things. Uh, America was assigned W calls. That's why we're W-O-R. Uh, no other stations in the world start. I know there are others, but I want to start easy. That there are no other stations in the world that have W calls. So anytime you hear a W call with a W prefix, it is a U.S. station. It may be outside of the border, uh, but it's still a U.S. station. Uh, we have K calls also. In other words, you'll hear a station like KDKA or KNX. That is also uh, a U.S. prefix. N is a U.S. prefix, too, which is rarely used, but mostly for Navy work. Uh, but nevertheless, these are the prefixes that we have. Now, uh, other ones, for example, Germany has D. Uh, you'll, you'll hear the D stations are always German. Uh, England is G. Uh, all the English stations start with G. There will be GSP, GSA, GSN. Uh, the amateur stations are G2, G3, and so on. Uh, if you go to other countries, like, say, for example, Australia, uh, you'll find is V. Uh, in fact, most of the Commonwealth nations are V calls. Uh, so Canada is VE. Australia is VK. 
some of them aren't. Uh, New Zealand, for example, is ZL. ZL6. LD, for example, will be a typical uh, ZL station. If you're in South Africa, is ZS. ZS. ZS6MA or something of that nature. Now, these are all recognized, and it is a kind of an international uh, directory of countries. And so if you hear them on the air, you know what you're listening to, and it's, in a sense, an international licensing system. Now, uh, <laughs> things began to slowly go, to, go apart immediately following World War II, but not up to that time. People, even the outlaw countries, even Germany in a strange way, uh, which was an outlaw country, recognized these things and did not uh, noticeably encroach on them. But gradually things have changed. Until today, uh, there's all kinds of strange things happening, which shows a kind of creeping world self-centerism. Now, self-centerism, I mean this, that nations are beginning to say, well, whatever I do is for the best of all possible worlds, so I'll do it. Uh, sure, that old convention is fine and everything else, and those other guys better live up to it, but what I have to do is very important, so I'm going to do it. So here is an example of that. Uh, there is a, a band, a frequency, I hope I'm not boring you, but there's some crazy things you hear on shortwave that you never would have heard uh, up to about this period. For example, on 40 meters, which is an amateur band, which was uh, set aside by the International Convention at that time all over the world as an amateur band to be used all over the world. Now, it's very important, this, this band. And yet, it is completely covered now. It's creeping, sneaking uh, propaganda stations in it. There are Russian propaganda stations right in the middle of the handband. Just all of a sudden they appear, you know, this gigantic signal. And uh, any guy who is a, a student of shortwave sociology and world geopolitics via shortwave radio can tell you some fascinating things are about to accrue to people. Just from listening on the air, you can hear it. Uh, now, listening to the pirate stations is, is fascinating, too. You realize, of course, that all radio stations are licensed by the countries involved. In other words, uh, and they all have different systems. Uh, by and large, the systems in all the rest of the world are governmental systems. They look upon radio and television as one of the natural resources, uh, like the air. Uh, that nobody who, who owns the air, you see, who owns... Uh, uh, the water, or the ocean, or the sand, one thing and another. And so they have made their system generally governmental. England is largely a governmental system. Uh, Holland is a governmental system. It is very rare anywhere in the world that you find private radio stations. By private, I mean literally private, where a man owns a radio station. He's a private citizen. He owns a radio station largely for his own private gain. This is hardly known outside of the United States. And yet all the radio stations that are in the world, by and large, unless they're called bootleg stations, if that is, if they, if they are unlicensed and are operating, uh, that the stations operating in England, say, are an English station. They're licensed by England. They're a governmental station, so they have a license. So what has begun to happen, though, is that the Sharpies all over the world have realized that there is such a thing as the international water. Now, the international waters... Uh, up to this point, uh, it was, there it was. It was always out there, but uh, no one apparently ever thought in terms of, in a sense, establishing his own country. Literally, a boat, you know, is, is a private world when it's out there in international waters. 
It is governed only by the flag of the nation that uh, that ha- that it flies. In short, a U.S. ship out at sea is governed by U.S. laws, uh, within, with certain limitations, of course. Uh, and so, if you can get yourself a ship that is licensed under a, uh, say, a country, some country that is not part of that international convention of radio, uh, in a sense, then you have established a little country that has no laws at all about radio. And so you can you can set up your own little private TV station eight miles off Jones Beach, or however far. What is international waters now? Twelve, something like that. Well, you go ten feet beyond that, and you dump your anchor out, and you're in business. And uh, with a good uh, television station, you can cover a lot of a lot of territory, or radio even more so. So things are interesting. Uh, now, radio, radio, uh, this this dependence, this kind of standing in awe of technical equipment which people have today. They have a feeling that if somebody has a transmitter out there, they're somehow official. Whenever anybody sees my amateur radio station, they think I'm magic. Uh, not only magic, they think somehow I'm in league with the devil, and also I'm vaguely a spy or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't look like a natural thing that you have your own radio station where you talk to somebody, say, in uh, Sweden. Uh, this confuses people. Uh, especially since it, it turns out to be a really good radio station, they can talk to people easier over it than they can, say, telephone to California, for example. So uh, it, uh, there are a lot of things going on in radio that people don't quite know about and, in fact, in most cases, know nothing about. Uh, in Germany the other day, I just wanted to, wanted to make a point here about how we are beginning to give up ourselves to these communication systems in other words, the, the network, the big communication system is now far bigger than the people that communicate through it or the communications that it carries itself. Have you noticed that the world is beginning to be governed now by its system of communications? Uh, football games now are produced on the field by referees for the TV audience. Are you aware that... that that the big games that are being picked up from colleges, for example, the referee's timeout is established to do the commercial. It isn't the other way around. They don't just throw the commercial on out there uh, whenever the referee takes timeout. He has an agreement beforehand with the TV people. It's all set. It's nothing under underhanded. That every so often, uh, with the with you know, uh, so that there's a nice pacing. Every so often, one of the guys out there will go. Whoa! put the whistle, and uh, he looks up at the box, the press box, and one of them sort of waves, and the next thing you know, you're watching the people racing around the countryside in their Mustangs. And uh, everybody everybody at the football game stops for a while while that 60-second commercial comes on. Have you noticed how nicely that works? Well, the world is beginning to be uh, molded by its communication systems. Rather than them just communicating and reporting on what they see, they are now creating the very thing that they report on. I have seen discussions in the city hall, for example, where, uh, not particularly in New York, because I haven't been involved in that part of radio or television here, but I have seen reporters go to city halls in other cities, and there's a hearing, and they're supposed to be down there reporting on it, and it's not jazzy, nothing's happening, like lawyers are going through papers and stuff. Somebody is up there uh, showing a graph to somebody else. 
And they'll actually go up there and say, no, you know, we're on the air now. You fellows ought to jazz it up here or something. It's very dull. So uh, can you cut all this stuff out? The next thing you know, uh, everybody is very aware of it. The lawyers, the mayor, the district attorney. And the next thing you know, they're all playing Perry Mason. And uh, you, you wonder where reality starts, starts and where the dream and the fantasy begins, you see, where, where, uh, where guys begin to play like parts they've seen on TV. I wonder how many lawyers today, young guys who are going through law school, are, will eventually be heavily influenced by Mr. District Attorney. And they got working on voice lessons, you know, they're, uh, they're working on, uh, on actor techniques. So that when you confront the jury, you don't just stand and sort of slump around in front of them. You confront the jury. You know, that sort of thing. Men and women of the jury, I am asking you to look into your conscience. Look deep down inside of yourself and say to yourself, could I there but for the grace of God been that unfortunate man? You know, they're working on that speech. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure, you'd be surprised at how much of that's going on. But in Germany, just the other day, a little straw in the wind came out. And I think it's a fascinating straw in the wind. Old uh, Skip, will you get ready with the tremendous straw in the wind music there? It was the first time, and to my knowledge, that this has happened. And uh, bring it on there, mankind upward, let's go. Oh, come on, hit it. Come on, this is not the John Gambling Show. Bring it on there. Belt it out. I have here for the files of my vast trivia collection. So that in the year 2748, they will know just when this stuff began to pop out. A photograph of seven very official men wearing tall silk hats, cutaway coats, and striped vests are standing around a monument with a big, beautifully carved marble base. I read to you the copy. It's in Germany, by the way. It's maybe significant, maybe not. There it is, Germany. A unique monument honoring a transmitting tool that lived for 260 years has been erected by the engineering personnel at this organization's transmitting site in Lampertheim, Germany. This tube, known as B-18, is a steam-cooled 5-0-0-0-0 watt type that lasted 3,248 hours beyond its normal expectancy, life expectancy, and came beyond the normal duties of a poor tube. Now, what does all this mean? This means that this monument skip is a monument to a specific radio tube that gave above and beyond the call of ordinary radio tube heroism. It lived far beyond its normal lifespan, and it now has a marble monument erected to it. Now, that's not so funny, because our, our world is beginning to be peopled by electronic heroes. Uh, how, many, how many of those computers have you seen during election nights that are far more important than Walter Cronkite? They really cut the Huntley and Brinkley. And they are really the star of the show. In fact, in all the publicity before, it says, Watch IBM 722XJT predict our election returns instantaneously. Well, uh, they no longer say, Listen to H.V. Coltonborn discuss the election. No, no. 
listen to the machine discuss the election. And I predict that within three or four hundred years, there will be monuments in the park over here. Instead of where Sherman is, you know, and where Grant is, and where all those guys are standing there with their hands in their vests and astride great big horses, there will be just a big, beautiful crackle box on top there. And underneath it, it will say, Computer 707 IBM 6SJ7GT, who in the winter of 1968 gave above and beyond the call of poor transistorized heroism. Over 14,000 hours of unremitting computerized data was recorded in that great landslide election of that year. This unsung hero, well, it'll be there. I, I, and I feel that eventually, because of our, our great feeling of distrust for man himself, I, I think that what is happening, of course, is that more and more, we are beginning to distrust man. Have you noticed people talk about all politicians as fools, idiots, and knaves? Have you noticed the creeping thing in America where practically everybody today says, well, I didn't vote for that, for that guy. I voted against the other guy. Well, what are you going to What are you going to do? You're going to either pick between an idiot and a crook. That's all. There's only two kinds of idiots and crooks. Well, this denotes or connotes, really, a profound distrust of man himself. That we are beginning to to distrust anybody who's who's in charge of authority. They're all idiots. They're psychotics. They're this and that. Uh, because I suppose we see it in ourselves. So we look at them and say they must be too. So eventually, I I, I feel that we will see more and more transistors making value judgments, as they already are doing in big organizations, big businesses. In fact, one of the most one of the most important ones recently, you know, all this material is being sent from miles around, from the sales room. It's being sent from the post. It's being sent from men who are going door to door with questionnaires. It just happened recently on American history. I told there are 18 million cards full of data, ready to be fed into the great transistor. The fantastic computer that will digest all of it and come up with a perfect automobile. The automobile that everyone loves. Some people like square grip. Some people like pound grip. Some people like beans. Other people like horizontal daylights. And now the machine is ready to digest it all. And the eight men heading the company stand before it in awe. They are waiting to find out what kind of a machine, what kind of an automobile this computer will design. From all the data, this computer, which is honest, reliable, and never wrong. That is the great fallacy. And then finally, the headman goes to the data tape to read about the car that has been designed by this machine. He says, ah, here is its name. Hi, George. A new machine, the perfect automobile, designed by the computer. Its name is E-D. It's an odd name. S-E-L. Edsel. A perfect name for the new computerized design. Heading once again into the future, unashamed, undaunted, with step high. We salute the 10,000 buttons in Poland. We salute the guy that sucks his thumb in Long Island. We salute all of you. And guys, yes sir, that's my baby. 
Gene Shepard from January 4th, 1965. And I guess uh, he was the original Jerry Seinfeld. There was a show about not much in particular. <laughs> Straws in the wind. Okay, it's 6 o'clock. You're tuned to listener-sponsored WBAI in New York. And Wake Up Call is coming your way almost immediately. This has been Mass Backwards. We'll be back next week with uh, who knows what. Music, mayhem, mirth, you know, all those things you enjoy so well. And I'll be back Sunday night, 7 p.m. With- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.